0: Diners and hunklers
1: down. I like that word. Hunklers down. And think. And how? How neighbor? Why are you cutting in grass at this time on a Sunday morning? <laughs> You're
0: listening to On the Menu with Anne and Peter Haid. And today's theme is basically, "Hey, now you can do it."
1: You can you can, you do, can it. do it. You can do it because here are three cookbooks. <laughs> three <It> will, <explain, laughs> really cool. will explain to you how you can go about doing exactly. that. So who's up first? And the
0: first one is um, Pamela Salzman. And uh, she her book is called Quicker Than Quick. And I'll tell you, she has this stuff down to the most efficient um, um, course of cooking. It's great. We're talking to Pamela Salzman. And uh, she has a book, After Your Own Heart, f- for sure, because it's called Quicker Than Quick. Now, it's sort of comfort food, but it's healthy. And everything in this book is, uh, uh, you could do it in 30 minutes. And uh, I, I was telling her that I think that probably um, her Italian background might have something to do with the fact that Italians like fresh. They like... Um, Uh, real food, and and that's what you're about, right? But also with faster, Oh, and you also accommodate all kinds of uh, different diets because you said, and I love this too, you said there's no one diet that fits all. I thought that was very good.
2: Oh well I mean that's more rele- relevant now than ever because oh yeah you know, there's so many first of all we're all unique individuals and so we can all find healthy diets and they may all look differently from others but I think the fundamentals are still the same from person to person, which is that we should all be eating mostly whole foods, and we should try and eat as many fruits and vegetables as possible, plant-based foods, because that's where we're going to get most of our nutrient density from. But I can't judge and say, you know, nobody should eat animal products or nobody should eat grains, because some people do very well with, with uh, you know, those um, ingredients.
0: Right. Um, well, you, if you you recommend that we sh- that whoever's using your book, you should read it cover to cover to start with. I don't know how many people do that. Do you?
2: Well, the more importantly, it's not necessarily that they have to read every recipe before they even start one. But there are a lot. There is a lot to be learned from reading the book that can be extrapolated and then used in your everyday cooking because there are so many tips that I I really like to give to just help people become more fluid and more confident in the kitchen. So the information is not just relative to the recipes I'm providing. I think it's just helpful for cooking in general. And that's my goal is to just get people to start cooking more and more with better quality ingredients.
1: Well, of now, course, that's happening
0: you... now. At least the cooking more and more. So <laughs> well, that's now,
1: true. Now, the way you do that, Marie, is, is, is you actually go into people's houses and teach them how to cook.
2: Yes. That is exactly right. I think people assume because I'm a cooking instructor that I teach in commercial kitchens, in cooking schools, but I don't, and I never have. I actually teach in private homes to groups of people that know each other, whether they're friends or they just have this common bond of wanting to learn how to cook, their neighbors, whatever. And um, most of my business is actually a monthly group, so I just show up at their homes. They don't even know what I'm going to make. And oh, then, that's fun. Yeah, and then they, they learn and they take notes, and it's all demonstration on my part because, again, I'm trying to weave some nutrition information into the class, and then they have lunch together or dinner is the case maybe. So, I think that so sounds like it's like a, like fun.
1: It's like a built-in, you've, you've built-in group already.
2: I have built-in groups, yes. I do a few and in – or I used to <laughs> do a few in my own home that were just – Anybody could sign up to attend, um, but most of my business were these private groups, and I was teaching four days a week. Oh, wow. hmm
0: So uh, aren't you opening up again in California? But...
2: You know, it's it's interesting. Um it, Yes and no. I mean, it's, I think it's one thing to have one person come to your house, or, but I think it's another to host 20 people in your home and sit side by side. So I, I think the days of my teaching in-person classes in people's homes might not happen for a while. So I've really taken everything online and, and it's okay because I've found new people to, to teach and to connect with and, you know, I've really strengthened my online community. I teach classes online, I teach these courses these 4 week courses online i'm doing daily instagram lives where i'm trying to teach a short little cooking lesson so you know it's just i've pivoted and and found um a whole nother community which is great
0: yeah we know we have a, a good friend who uh, had a wine school and they just converted that onto line that's right so i mean that's what we Well, it's expand their horizon i mean they can have a, a, a wine expert in Sicily, they they do have. Um, I again um, actually it was a, a chef in, in Sicily that teaches one of these classes with the cooking demo built in. So they, they're all over the world. I mean, the people looking, watching them from all over the world as well. It's, a, it's not a limitation. It's an expansion. Huh? That's right. That's right. It's exciting, actually. Yes. <laughs> now, you... You do give a lot of information in this book. Um, I was impressed with how well stocked your kitchen was <laughs> you have your pantry stuff with all the equipment and so on. Um, I, I was amused by your Instant Pot. Um, you, you do have a section on the instant pot. You know, button.
2: it's interesting, yeah, because it's. I think it's hard to write a book about how to cook more quickly and ignore the most yeah. popular
0: quick-cooking kitchen appliance of the moment, right? Wait, I have one that, that um, the company sent. I can't remember the company sent that, bad. Um, which has never been out of the box. It's a multi-cooker. And right. it, it's not instant pot, but it does everything, including sous vide. And I mean, it's intimidating. It's like learning how to cook again.
2: You know, I have to agree with you, and that's one of the that's one of the reasons I put it in there because it it's something that we didn't grow up with. I mean, some people grew up with pressure cookers, but it's not the same. They're actually instant pots or, or multi cookers are actually much more user friendly. But it's not something that has it's not instinctual for us to just be able to start pressing buttons. So I've done many demonstrations, whether it's on YouTube or I'll do something on Instagram Live, and I do encourage people to kind of just glance at that manual a bit because it, it does provide all the information that we need. But it's also not a miracle appliance. You know, yeah. mainly
0: people it, use it for the pressure
2: cooker feature. That's right. That's where, and that's, and I do like to make a lot of stock. I like to yeah, make beans do. from scratch, and it is helpful for things that normally take a long time to cook. But there is no reason to make pasta in
0: an instant pot or. If make somebody that... sent me a um, pressure cooker once, uh, trying to convince me that you could make risotto in a pressure cooker. <laughs> It's, but you know what? I gave I it away. You good, but
2: it's not necessary. It's not necessary. It Also,
0: didn't work because I mean, you just had to stop and, and stir anyhow. I mean, what's the point?
2: That's right. I mean, and when you're trying to cook something like pasta, where you want to taste it before you commit to saying it's done, you can't do that in a pressure cooker. I mean, there's a lot of flaws with you know pressure cooking. But that said, I, I like. It's just hard to ignore it. So I just put eight recipes in there, and they yeah. can all be converted for a stovetop. They would just take, obviously, a lot longer.
0: Now, you're, you're very big on um, something that I'm not really very big on in a way superfoods. But then again, I, I might be defining it differently. Um, um, I don't view them as miracles, but like um, I, a, a lot of them that i I ginger and. Um, you know, other things like that. I do believe in the health benefits of. But um, well, I think you, you, you have said a it lot best, of superfoods.
2: But I think you said it best that you don't necessarily know what is a superfood. And that's actually correct, is that there is really no definition of what the superfoods are. They're just really your most. Where you get the most bang for your buck, so to speak, Uh nutrition-wise. So in my opinion, something like garlic is a superfood because it just has, it's teeming with health benefits for just this tiny little clove, right? I mean, spinach (laughs) is considered to be a superfood. Walnuts or even wild salmon. So I think people also think that they can, you know, get by with, you know, eating junk food, and then if they take a little powder of some Amazonian dried fruit <laughs> that's <can ground laughs> been up, that they can sort of chase their Diet Coke woes away, and that's not really <laughs> how it works.
0: No. <laughs> I,
1: I, I, was, I was thinking about kale.
2: So kale, I, I mean, there, you could totally make an argument for kale being a superfood. Um, you can classify all your dark green leafy vegetables. They're just loaded, loaded with nutrients. And, uh, you know, and especially as we age, we really need to start looking more at high antioxidant foods and foods that have um,
0: cancer preventative benefits. Yeah, I mean, I love, we love uh, turmeric. I mean, you know, and I, for a long time there, I was making uh, green tea with uh, um, thin-sliced fresh turmeric root and black pepper grounds. Ground oh, into well, it. you're
2: so smart. So you knew that in order to get the benefits of the curcumin and the turmeric, you had to pair it with black pepper. A lot of people yeah. don't know that because yeah. you can actually boost the bioavailability of that curcumin by up to 2,000%
0: that way really well i mean yeah. I, I yeah i guess well i've been doing this a long time yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, we um, be, better have turmeric on the chicken tonight
0: <laughs> oh good that, that's good um there's what is the what is the name of this one thing one category of foods, chinese herbal stuff what is that you call oh them?
2: the adaptogens
0: adaptogens worry me i've I, I get worried about them because I'm not sure about them at all.
2: Well, but you know what? Here, here's what I have to say about them. A, a lot of people who are really eating super well and feel like their diet is pretty good, they're they're looking to just take it a, another step further, and um, especially people who seem to be very stressed out. Adaptogens are just these herbs that can help the body adapt to stress. And if you try them and it doesn't really do anything for you, then, you know, spend your money elsewhere. It's, again, not a miracle. But what I really have to say about adaptogens is that's one of those things that's really a refinement on a good diet. If you're eating a lot of junk and you are, you know, staying up super late and, you you know, you're doing all sorts of things that are going to be working against good health, adaptogens aren't going to really do anything for you. You are going to get more for your money and your, you know, more mileage out of eating a really clean diet first. And then you can start looking at
0: something like adaptogens,
2: but they're they're easy to
0: incorporate into your diet. Just in the you know I distrust the ones that are the functional beverages, which they claim all these adaptogens <laughs> attached to them. I mean, well, you commercial. know it's interesting
2: because I've uh, quality matters also like everything. So you can find a brand that really isn't that good, and then you can find a brand where you might see some benefits so for example there's a an adaptogen called ashwagandha and oh i looked at that one now,
1: why did I, I like that so oh, that one makes
2: is. me very sleepy and
1: that's, that's the thing that's the thing that's, that's a secret ingredient in those spice tubes we just got oh, oh that's a,
2: interesting yes. it's like in a functional food spice
1: mix well th- this is a, this is a company that their kids that they, they started out making spices in tubes like two, oh and
0: tubes. tube okay yeah we're
1: we just got a, a new line of theirs and of the of the eight that are in the tubes i think like six out of the eight have this tell me tell me the name of it again ashwagandha ashwagandha
0: oh good yeah. i'm glad to know that because i looked at ashwagandha and i thought you know i might look further into that what
1: is this? And also, do for you
2: know, you? one is um another one that is nice that people don't realize is um, holy basil and holy basil tea is lovely and it's very calming. These are all very calming um, but some of them, like I said, ashwagandha makes me actually too calm so I don't want it oh, at the beginning wow. of the day because I then I can't really, I don't, I don't have Make enough car, energy. Yeah. It's sort of great at the end of the day, especially for people that maybe need to have a little assistance winding down before they get into bed and it can hi- kind of help. Oh, um, Here
0: why I liked it is because I've been having these anxiety attacks with all the stuff that's going on and and, then then
2: that there you said you said it is that you know these help to adapt your body to stressful situations and stress in the body so it can actually calm you down a bit
0: yeah well I mean this is this this company is very good by the way the original products were called n-tube in the tube e-n-t-u-b-e mm. and their their current ones are really wonderful they're all they all have um health I- issues attached to them and it's called the company is called um h-l-t-h punk oh,
1: punk. oh, oh punk. Sweet. They're, they're, they're still they're still running under n i think
0: yeah i think they are too but this latest um line of of the on tube it's all in tubes, but it's like smoke terissa and, and it has all these different things in it. Anyhow, yeah, back to your book. I love your view of breakfast because I like leftovers for breakfast myself.
2: <laughs> I like to think outside the breakfast box,
0: so to speak. Yeah, I don't,
2: too. you know, I just, I find that most people, you know, are marketed to, and so they have been trained to think that they need to have, you know, the toast Cereal. and the eggs and the pancakes and the, you know, whatever. Yeah. But quite often in the wintertime, I'm mostly eating, you know, like leftovers from the night before or That's a special I eat. soup. I <laughs> love soup for
0: breakfast.
2: I think it's yeah, a <laughs> great way to start the day.
0: Right. Um, I found out that one of these things, I forget what you call it, but I've been making it slightly different. Oh, what's it called? Oh, I'll hit it on in a minute. Um, we also, we've been getting groceries delivered um, from Chef's Garden in Huron, Ohio. And it, it's uh um, it's all seasonal produce. And great. so we, we have, we just have an endless supply of carrots. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> and also sweet potatoes. And, and you have wonderful suggestions for sweet potatoes, what to do with them. And so again, who, who wants, you can always bake them, but that takes an hour or more.
2: That's right, yeah, <laughs> so I you know specifically wanted to provide a recipe or two where you could actually use a sweet potato and have something on the table very, very quickly. It's just you know using it in a different way. Did you see the recipe for the little sweet potato patties
0: oh yeah they were cute. They're
2: delicious, and all you do is just you, if you have a food processor, it makes it really easy, and just get the the sweet potato, the raw sweet potato, so, so, so small, and then you just, you kind of add a few ingredients, and you make these little pancakes out of it. You could add different seasonings, so you could try some of those seasonings that you were talking about. You don't have to do the seasoning that I do, Um, but they're really versatile, and just, again, they come onto, get onto the table so fast.
0: Now they're they're very nutritious sweet potatoes, but I just read an article comparing uh, white potatoes and sweet potatoes in terms of calories, and they're much more calorie dense than, than uh, white potatoes.
2: You know, some people could call sweet potatoes a (laughs) Uh -uh. (laughs) superfood because they have many more nutrients than white potatoes. But, you know, at the end of the day, I think we all have to acknowledge what our caloric threshold is um, and more than that, just start to tune in a bit more to satiety and how we feel after we eat a certain meal and not necessarily like, oh, well, I think I can probably eat more calories, so even though I'm full, I'm going to keep eating. I think, uh,
0: the, <laughs> Like the, Thanksgiving.
2: <laughs> the, number, the numbers, I think, make us out of touch with how we feel in terms of fullness uh-huh. because I think then we look at numbers instead of,
0: you know, again, that feeling of fullness. Well, you, also, um, I favored this. You have a very large salad section, which is something I adore all the time. And, it sounds um, like
2: you and I like the same
0: kind of food. I know. Well, this, is, this is probably why I'm so happy with this book. <laughs> <You know? That's laughs> Except that I, I think a lot of people can find different yes. things in it. you know? Yes, yes, yes. Um, so, uh, I love
2: salads. I love salads because i'm also i 've become the kind of cook where i don 't want to have to adhere to a recipe exactly all the time. I want to be able to you know use what I have. This is what i 've always taught my students um, and especially it 's really, really important now where you don 't want to have to go to the grocery store just for that one ingredient. Use that's what you for have. Sure. And Salads are among the most flexible of recipes. You don't have to stick with the script. And also because I really love eating seasonally, salads can showcase beautifully what's in season.
0: Right. And I'm looking here at your um, endive citrus salad with spicy red onions, and I didn't realize how well do. we were doing with red onions in our salad almost all the time. <laughs>
2: Oh, you do? Yeah, I love them. And, again, there's different ways that you can use them. I mean, some people like them just plain raw, and that's fine. Sometimes I pickle them.
1: Um, These
2: are just a whole new twist on it to add some acidity and a little bit of heat, and they're they're delicious, and they don't take too much time either to give you so much flavor.
0: Right, and I like recipes where you add the grains to it, because I've done that for a long time, too, and that, that really elevates a salad.
2: And you can really do that with any salad. You know, it doesn't have to be, again, in the recipe. If you have some leftover cooked, you know, farro or quinoa, I, I do that all the time where I add it to a salad just to bulk it
0: up a little bit and create more of a meal. It's great for entertaining, too, yeah.
2: Definitely. Do you guys entertain a lot?
0: We, no, we're not, well, we used to, yes. We don't, we, of course, we haven't been, have
2: we? I know, who has been?
0: <laughs> it's been, Yeah. Uh, we had a, a, a dinner party for ages before we all, and we haven't seen anybody for three months It was at the dinner. That's right, that's right. <laughs> so, um yeah, and and you said you love soups and you have some good, what is it with mason jars? I don't quite understand mason jars.
2: You mean the mason jar soup? Um,
0: yeah, but I mean, everybody's every every serving general. all kinds of things in in a mason jars. So. You know,
2: and listen, it doesn't have to be a mason jar, but it's just it's a those those uh, 16 ounce mason jars are just a really good size to layer mm-hmm. in salad ingredients, or they're really durable as well. So, you know, you can throw one into your um book your your tote bag and bring it to work. Um, the mason jar soups in the in the book are basically creating your own kind of an instant soup so you can prep your ingredients you can take it to work with you you can pour boiling water in it i mean you can bring it on a plane and you can have the you can get boiling water on the airplane put it in there and then let it sit for a few minutes and you've got you know an instant soup with just a few of these really good flavor boosters that i've put in there So And people just, they're really versatile tools. So mason jars I use, I put my salad dressings in there. I use them as vases sometimes in the summer when, if we're having people over outside, you know, I store things in them. Again, they're nice and thick, so they're just easy.
0: Yeah, and I I enjoyed your uh, creamless mushroom soup recipe, too. Oh, I don't good. like cream in the soups at all.
3: <laughs> oh,
2: neither do I. Well, it's not even that. I don't. First of all, I, I never have cream on hand. It's not something that I typically buy. So I would rather create a recipe that doesn't have to use an ingredient that I'm only going to use a tablespoon. Exactly.
0: Of what so the we, heck am
2: I going to do with the rest of it?
0: Yeah. Well, we we actually had an old Vincent Price. A recipe for mushroom soup that I not not creamed that I adapted but the secret ingredient in it is um talk about <laughs> something for years is I think it's two tablespoons of sweet Italian vermouth <laughs> oh, we used man. to have <laughs> it was the only time we ever used this how many years did we have
1: that rabbit that sweet vermouth it's a good long time almost as long as the carrot pickle
0: <laughs> yeah, that the carrot pickle we had for fifteen years—we finally carrot, threw it out.
1: <laughs> the carrot pickle is legendary. He got, got thrown out when we replaced the refrigerator after twenty-five exactly. years.
0: <laughs> oh That's my! Funny. So um, now, some, I need an explanation of something else because um, a lot of um, a lot of, of younger families. Um, do this thing where they just set out the food and the, the kids and everybody can just graze. Nobody sits down at the table. They just walk by and take something if they want it. Now, you were suggesting something like that?
2: Uh, No. <laughs> we, okay. I mean, we sit down as a family. That's that's want to buy non-negotiables. That's how I grew up, and that's how I always knew I had raised my family. I mean, listen, I'm not going to judge other people if that's what they want to do, but that's definitely not what I do. I mean, I think um, sometimes a grazing board can tide people over um, to the next meal, or sometimes, like in the summer, we don't want to eat a big meal, so we'll put out a, what, what I call a, like a grazing board so that we can sit down to just small bites. So it's, you know, kind of like a glorified cheese board with little breads and, you know, oh, olives and okay. things like that. And so maybe you don't want to create a whole meal, you know, and you, you mm-hmm. do, you're you not that hungry. You but you're sitting down. Lunch.
0: You're not like, I mean, I've listened to the, the, a lot of the young families that are swim cloth talk about this, and it, it's horrifying. They just walk right by and it's all sitting no, down. No, we don't. They I, yeah,
2: I don't. I don't know any of my students that do that. Um, we don't do that. We sit down together um every night for dinner. We always have, and um you know and the and during the quarantine, I have to say one of the nice things that has exactly. happened has been that we actually eat at least two meals together and sometimes three and yeah. um you know my daughter was home from college my other daughter lives in dallas and she was able to work from our home and so really... it was actually a, a blessing because there's really nothing to me that's better than connecting with my family at the at the table
0: right
1: this is true yeah, So this... I think i to come and live at your house <laughs>
0: How's it, how, what a nice kitchen she's got. <laughs>
1: Who cares about the kitchen?
0: So, but the thing I found out, I have been making and didn't have a name for. You, I just came across it. You call it Texas caviar. Oh, yeah.
2: <laughs> it's yeah. delicious, and uh, you know, I think everybody thinks like it just has to be salsa and guacamole all the time. But there's other ways that we can, you know, put little twists on that.
0: Yeah. Well, I think that uh, in addition to all this information and all these tips that you're giving readers in this book, um, you have really delicious recipes, and um, they couldn't be more straightforward and easier, and still get the excitement into it. So, um, and you even have some desserts, and um, mm-hmm. yeah, and uh, and. I, are going to find something. Just everybody's going to find something to to love in in this book. Um again, you know, the you. author is uh, Pamela Salsman, and the title is Quicker Than Quick: 140 Crave-Worthy Recipes for Healthy Comfort Foods in 30 Minutes or Less. And congratulate also your photographer, kitchen. Uh, the, who is it? The photographer
2: my photographer is amy nunsinger yeah which is she's wonderful she's she did my first Ninsinger. book kitchen matters
0: as well right okay pamela will you keep going and, and,
1: Thank and you. i think it's you'll find this online stuff
0: fun yeah well i think you'll enjoy expanding uh, your repertoire with all the online stuff yeah so far so good
1: Podcasting services
3: for On the Menu Radio are provided by ASP Station. www.aspstation.net.
1: Welcome
0: back. Um, we now have Skye McAlpine, who is enjoying uh, life in Venice. Um, and what she says is you can do entertaining, cooking for two or 20. And she tells you how in her book, A Table for Friends. And she does it with style. Now, your background, Sky McAlpine, is very complicated, isn't it?
4: <laughs> you were born that. in
0: London. And your parents moved you when you were six to Venice where which is where you grew up, you also had um your grandparents who were um italy born and um uh, migrated to australia um, we we'd call them new australians uh and all these influences got pulled together in your involvement with cooking right that's right. right.
4: Right. it's a mismatch the real kind of melting pot um, of influences
0: <laughs> well we, we're going to be talking about your book A Table for Friends The Art of Cooking for 2 or 20 now it certainly is a beautiful book the photographs are lovely and uh, it's, it's a blend of all these different influences as I said um, The the One thing I I wanted to say is I I think it's a great idea. It's it's very Italian in spirit, too, having everybody coming at your table. Um, (laughs) Yeah, and, you know, I love that, too. And you you figure out ways to make things easier for people having these dinner parties. Um, The one thing I thought was the last time I had a dinner party, um, I had one person who didn't eat meat then i had one person who didn't eat fish then i had somebody who didn't eat i forget what the other thing was someone who hated cauliflower it was a nightmare figuring out the menu (laughs)
4: well i think i think i mean that catches. um but kind of what i what i like to do when i have friends over which i most often, and um, which I kind of talk about a bit in the book, is this idea of just putting lots of food on the table. So you know, there might be a lovely big frittata or a nice big wild rice salad that the person who doesn't eat meat can eat um and then there might be a few other dishes so there's kind of lots of um big dishes in the middle of a table that everyone can help themselves then you can kind of the person who doesn't like cauliflower doesn't have to eat the dish with a little bit of cauliflower in it and so forth rather than trying to cater um for everybody and just do kind of one dish for everybody or doing lots of different
0: individual things i find it's so much easier to do it that way and you you say the bread should be on every table i like that you don't get that very often <laughs> i i love that i always think kind of
4: a lovely big loaf of bread looks so beautiful and it's so inviting and you know it's so nice when there's a table kind of full of food and you're encouraged to just help yourself um, you know, rather than feeling that you have a little bread roll or one little slice of bread and that's your lot, it's nice to be able to help yourself. And I just think it's such a beautiful way of kind of almost, it's like, it doubles the decoration and it's great to kind of, obviously to eat. And you know, sometimes I'll have more bread, probably need, but I find that people always eat it, it's kind of good, a lovely good loaf of bread, it always gets eaten.
1: The funny the funny thing is Sky, we. We we almost never have bread in the house
0: cause, <laughs> well I only like it as a homemade <laughs> and I haven't been
1: baking one of them, one of them is sensitive to calories. Let me finish. We But then it becomes a dilemma when somebody what's the name of that company that loves olive oil? What do you mean? The the, the lady we had on the
0: oh the the, a few days the, ago. the olive oil lovers. She, she you mean, a, we just had one.
1: So, so, they, so she sent us four beautiful extra virgin olive oils, and we we don't have any bread to dip in
0: them. <laughs> <laughs> oh
4: no! Oh no! no we, we don't. <laughs> <laughs> I know
0: we need to get some. Um, yeah, the, the, it's a it's a good source for olive oil if you're interested. It's called Olive Oil Lovers. I don't know. It's an on an e-commerce thing. And she sent us. Um, let's see. We had uh, one from
1: Greece, uh, yes.
0: Crete, one from um, Puglia, one from Spain, and one from Portugal, and they were all different. Oh wow! Although, yeah, it was
4: good. How interesting! Yeah, That's really, so interesting. <laughs>
0: it's nice to know so much about a subject. <laughs> um yeah. you you have a very good introduction to to your book about why i cook and i must tell you that i think that your your um, uh, the photographs are just gorgeous um and and they're Aww, styled thanks. to to look casual and abundant and and ready for a party they're great um the the um the, the introduction says that you, you really love eating but you also love having people around your table and so you you have prepared this so that people can pick up this book and not be intimidated um, with how to approach a dinner party is that correct
4: that's absolutely that was really the idea for the book and very much my inspiration is that i love having friends over and i do it um, the whole, you know, pre lockdown, of course, but pre COVID, it was, you know, a huge part of my life and such a source of absolute joy in my life. Um, but when I talk to friends, you know, when they come over and we're having dinner and they kind of, they, I talk with them and they kind of say that they feel nervous about having, um, you know, having guests over, about hosting, and they kind of, wouldn't want to do it on a on a weeknight because it feels like so much work or there's a lot of anxiety and stress that that surrounds it. I really wanted to try and find a way of, of stripping that away and just showing a few simple tricks and secrets that that i've kind of learned maybe the hard way through years and years of cooking um for friends but make it much easier and and make it so much more doable and make it something that you feel comfortable that you can do on a tuesday night after work you know that you're not spending the whole day in the kitchen slaving away but not only can you have friends over but you can really relax and be with them and enjoy that company
0: well you know the you have one, one, as a start, you eliminate your um, this classic starters. Although I must say, some of your stars, your main courses, uh, could be starters, really, couldn't they?
4: But they could. I mean, I don't like, I kind of say in the introduction, I. If I'm going to be really honest, I don't really. I, I almost never do a starter. I, I kind of avoid the starter. I just like to do a big main course with lots of sides. As I say, like kind of everything piled high on the table, so everyone can help themselves. And then I always have a pudding. I'm not a big fan of the starter, but definitely a lot of my star dishes, especially like. The soups, you know, a lovely, especially at this time of year, a gazpacho or a chilled white almond soup or, um, you know, a a nice... um You know, there's a lovely dish that I love, which is kind of mozzarella with a little bit of uh, celery and and pine nuts. Um, You know, these sorts of dishes you could definitely serve as a starter if you like and then kind of move on to maybe something a bit richer or more filling like a roast chicken or, or something
0: like that as your main course. Yes, you have some reference chapters, I call them. Um, that will be particularly useful, I think, for people trying to entertain. Um, The first one is how to cook by season. Uh, And you have sample menus for the different seasons. Uh, And I think that's very useful. Um, And you give reasons. I mean, we, we can now get things all year round, but they're more pricey and not as tasty usually. Um, So, you have that outline of seasons, nice menus of different seasons. And then the one that, on special occasions, you have got that. But I love this how to cook by numbers, because that's (laughs) something that drives people nuts in and out of to do that. Explain what you're doing in, in that section.
4: Absolutely, kind of what I find is it's people think it's really hard to cook for twenty people, and actually, once you're cooking, whether you're cooking for two or twenty, it really doesn't make too much difference but the the trick is if you're cooking for twenty people is knowing what to cook um so I don't think it's really a matter of skill um it's just sort of practice and knowing what to go for, so if I'm cooking for twenty people, I'm going to avoid you know, those recipes that um, require a lot of fine chopping or, um, you know, but, uh, but kind of maybe too big to squeeze in the oven or, you know, I need to sort of fit in a pan and it's too much to fit in a single pan so I then end up doing it in batches. So I really wanted to organize the recipes to make it easy and intuitive for people. So if they're having kind of four friends over for dinner, then they might have a, a wider choice of dishes if they're having 20 grand over for dinner then it might be something kind of simpler but kind of bigger so you might do like a big roast pork or something like that with um maybe some roast fruits and roast grapes something really easy like that and and then maybe probably run out of oven space at that point so maybe a nice chicory salad and and some kind of vegetable that I cook on my hob. And that, that sort of getting to grips with your own kitchen and with your own space is really a theme that, that runs through the book, and it's very much a theme when I'm cooking. Again, it kind of really keeps going back to knowing what to cook, well, as much as it is knowing how to cook it. Yeah,
1: I mean, you always, have had have the- I was very intrigued, uh, Sky, with your note about uh, risotto. And you, you said you discovered that doing risotto for two, two or three people was easy but, but doing it for 20 people was very difficult. <laughs>
4: Absolutely, absolutely. I learned that one the hard way, unfortunately. Um, yeah. But with the dottel, you know, you're there with the pan stirring constantly. Um, so it makes it quite hard when guests are arriving, you know, you're there stirring. You can't kind of, it's, it makes it hard to go and open the door and get them a drink and, and spend time <laughs> with them. Why is it, it easier like to like just food. make it for two? Much easier to make for two, exactly. So risotto is when it's just us or when it's my family. That might be a treat that we have for supper. But if I've got 20 people coming or or more people, even 10 people, 8 people, something like a lovely baked pasta um, that I pop in the oven and I can leave in the oven and kind of on a low temperature and just keep warm. And it means that if guests are late or, you know, we take a little bit longer over drinks or whatever, it really doesn't matter. Like it still will taste absolutely delicious.
1: Actually, I remember. You, you remember when we went to Valentina's and Ben's for dinner? And yeah. And she, wa- she was cooking risotto. Yeah. And in the midst of cooking the risotto, she had to work on something else. So she asked me to keep stirring the risotto. <laughs> <laughs> not, well, that's not, the other option. i I never, I never tried any such thing before. <laughs> Do you remember
0: the dinner party we had in... Um, in Washington D.C., rabbit, where we had um, mussels, and it was before the farm-raised mussels, so that we, I picked up, you know, I don't know how many pounds of mussels, pounds and pounds of mussels. Each one had to be scraped with the, um, the, <laughs> you know, the with the wire brush well. and pulling the yeah. <laughs> And so I had all everybody lined up taking turns cleaning the mussels. The muscles.
4: I <laughs> guess so that's funny. something. But. like harder work
0: than you think they're going to be. <laughs> oh yeah, the um, hot, I think the key to to really getting things organized and the most intimidating part of cooking, and when you get somebody to start out cooking a meal, the hardest thing to teach them, besides how much salt to use, which is another issue, uh, is how you get everything to come out right at the same time. And you have a whole section here on how to cook by timings with some really good tips on dishes best thrown together at the last minute, dishes you can prepare up to six hours before. Tell us more about this.
4: Well I completely agree. Timing is is such a difficult thing in a way and and can be quite stressful especially if you're working with a small oven or a small kitchen space and and you're juggling things. So for example for me I know especially if I'm having lots of people coming over or if it's a work you know I'm having a supper party on a work day when I'm really busy during the day and I don't have much time to cook preparing things in advance can be such a huge help. So if I can make the pudding a day before or two days before that's fantastic you know that's just done I don't have to worry about it or you have have some
0: things in here that are tricks of things that could be cooked ahead that I didn't know could be cooked that far ahead.
4: absolutely and I, I for me that's such a huge help and then that's sort of done and you don't have to worry about it and then you can move on to it frees up space in the kitchen you know in the oven and on the hob for 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 that day and also it frees up you know, I find it really frees up mental space. And I know that for a lot of people, you know, me too, when you're cooking for friends and you're hosting, there's always that little worry but is it going to work out? Is this going to be the one time that you (laughs) <laughs> or it kind of is a total flop or, or whatever so again like having prepared it in advance is really nice because you know that at least that dish or those two dishes are they're ready made you've seen them they've come out of the oven they're fine they're happy you don't have
0: to worry about it so even if something
4: else goes a little bit past it it doesn't matter
0: too much <laughs> well i'll tell you something that's surprising about your book is you don't really find uh, in well, let me say this. I think it's a hint that you're English with a sweet tooth. You have a huge section on on,
4: on desserts.
0: <laughs>
4: I do, I do. I love sweets. I really do. Um, and, they're beautiful. You know, I too, love too, the ones you have. Oh, you're very kind. No, I really, I really love them. And for me, that's say so spoiling. And also, I just think they're a really important part of a meal that's celebratory there's something like if you're serving cake or you're serving jelly or or some kind of wonderful dessert you know it makes it instantly feel like a special occasion and quite often you know especially if I'm keeping the menu really simple maybe I'm just making a, a really simple soup like a carrot soup a delicious carrot and cinnamon soup or something and I might make an easy loaf of bread to go with that or I might buy like we were saying a beautiful loaf of bread and it's really simple but I think if then afterwards you serve quite an extravagant rich pudding maybe it's like a meringue and cream cake or it might be um, a fruit cake or, or some kind of like chocolate pudding or something like that it sort of transforms the meal it makes it feel really indulgent so you can kind of get away with keeping things simpler with your main. if you're going to have a really extravagant pudding
1: yeah Sweetheart, some of these you, are you, gorgeous you, you remember when Winifred told you that she, she'd just come back from dessert camp or she was just going oh yeah was we had
0: a cousin who de- de- came back from who was at dessert camp they had dessert camp in the north of England
4: <laughs> oh wow this, this, I want to get to that camp is my, this, is my
1: cousin, <laughs> this is my cousin's wife but, but the more, the more <laughs> remarkable thing was that my cousin, who was a civil engineer, specialized in making bum Alaska. Oh
0: wow! That's, that's well, we know somebody cool. in the states who runs Pie Camp
4: yeah,
0: in in Seattle. That wouldn't wow. that be fun? Pie Camp. Oh. Yeah, really fun. <laughs> Sign me up. Well, Scott McAlpine. Did I pronounce that right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> okay. The book, listeners, is A Table for Friends, The Art of Cooking for Two or Twenty. And uh, it's it's a gorgeous book, and I think it will take away a lot of your hesitation and uh, your fears ab- about cooking um, because it removes a lot of the frou-frou stuff and just gets you down to basics, being with friends and having delicious food. Your recipes are wonderful, Skye, and the book is beautiful. Thank you for talking Aww. to us. And hello, Venice. Thank I haven't you. been for a while. We're not even oh, allowed in. We'll have... you know, we can't go.
1: Yeah. Americans aren't allowed in. They're not I at that... the
4: moment. I know. It's so sad. And we can't come to you either. It
1: feels I, I very, noticed, very can, sad. I noticed tired. you stole, you stole a, a recipe from Harry's Bar. Yes. <laughs> Now, do, do you also know Harry's <laughs> Restaurant, which is in, which no, is in Trieste? No, it's
4: Harry's Restaurant. It's no, in, I've never been.
1: It's, it's in a hotel in just off the main square in Trieste. Ah, well, I'm. Oh, oh that's oh, a fun place. I forgot about it a, that. It's a, it a wonderful place. Oh, thank
4: you so much. Thank you for the recommendation. I've yep. going to get go top of my top top, top of my list. <laughs> what
1: What happened? Curiously enough, was Harry Harry opened the restaurant in the hotel, on like, on like, a, on like a, a franchise basis. But he couldn't make yeah. a go. It. I don't know why. So the people who owned the hotel had the opportunity to acquire the name Harry's Restaurant and an operating restaurant in their lobby.
4: Goodness, what a fascinating story. I had no idea
1: how interesting. It's a great place. It's not, it's not that far to go. Only probably 90 no, minutes really. ride right?
3: Yeah, exactly. A- anyway,
1: let's, let's let oh, you go well, back you to whatever you were doing. Thank Whatever you're cooking tonight, I'm sure it'll be wonderful.
4: Oh, thank you so much. And thank you for having me. It's really, really kind of you. It's been really nice to chat.
0: This one's a little bit of a stretch. You could do it, but you're not going to be able to go out to the county and state fairs this year. So what are you going to miss? All that fabulous, really unhealthy food. (laughs) But now we're talking to George Geary. He's going to tell you how... In his book, Fair Foods Cookbook, how you can make all of that greasy stuff of them. Uh, George Gary, you got the best assignments. <laughs> Last time we were talking to you, it was about your book called The Cheesecake Bible, where you had to eat all those cheesecakes. And this time, I mean, I hope that you've had your cholesterol checked. It's a Fair foods. (laughs) F-A-I-R foods, the most popular and offbeat recipes from America's state and country and county fairs. Well, did you eat all this stuff?
3: Over the years, not in one Uh shot. (laughs) I started uh, working on this book probably five, six years ago.
0: Well, talk about I mean, I, I was very impressed by. Now, uh, your credentials in terms of uh, state or county fairs. You uh, explain your experience with the uh, Los Angeles County Fair.
3: Well, the Los Angeles County Fair is the largest county fair in the country, and I and I think it's four million go through there. And I was the culinary coordinator for twenty eight seasons.
0: How did you do?
3: Well, I started with doing um, judging. And Uh uh, then they said, well, you know, would you like to do demos? Because we had a new kitchen, a beautiful kitchen Mm. for television. Being in Los Angeles, everything was ready for TV. So the kitchen was ready for TV. So I started doing the morning show for ABC LA from there. We'd do segments. And it was a way to promote the fair for the two weeks. Then they came back and said, would you emcee all the contests, like the favorite <laughs> chocolate cake contest and the spam contest. So then they came back. To- so it just kept building from just judging all the way to being in charge of the whole department. And I I was in charge of the whole department of the competitions for, oh, I think about eight years. And then I saw that um, I didn't like the direction the fair was going. <laughs> so I left. Oh. <laughs> and uh, wrote this book on uh, the crazy foods that were sold at the fair. And some uh, some of the food isn't as crazy as some, like uh, pulled pork sandwiches. But most of it uh, uh, you'll recognize from other fairs. That you've well, I never,
0: I never um, knew that they did alcoholic beverages at fairs. So I was surprised. You well, have a large section in yeah. the yeah. front of your book. Mm-hmm. Yeah
3: my editor was surprised too she said they have alcohol at the fair and i said that's the way a lot of people go just to you know the hot sun and a a margarita and (laughs) they 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 do in california in fact they've got uh san diego fairs uh the uh, the del mar fair has a um uh, since it's only about 30 miles from the border of mexico there was a company a number of years ago, I, don't, I haven't been there for years, but it uh, was a high-end restaurant down in Tijuana, Mexico, and they brought and re- replicated it at the fair so people could really? see it. And, uh, yeah, and, and all the authentic uh, um, uh, Hispanic foods and stuff like that, So and their, their prized margaritas that they would sell. So, uh, yep, they they do have some alcohol at the fairs, and some I don't remember they're... ever
0: encountering that. Now, you have one drink in here. I I was wondering if you're old enough to remember the origin of the name of this Kickapoo fruit punch.
3: Well, now see, I'm not sure about your origin because yours could, uh, could be different from where uh, this came from. But um, what, uh, now, what do you know about this one? Well, this I mean it
0: possible. used to be and what's the name of that comic strip? Um Little Abner. And oh, Little they Abner. had a drink called Kink Kickapoo Joy Juice.
3: But um, it hasn't
0: published yeah. for a million years, so I don't know.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And, and they probably didn't have rum in
0: it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean it's it's some of the food is Downright disgusting.
3: i mean that's <laughs> <in the States>. <laughs> <laughs> well thank you now i i must say i bet
1: you be, care, be, be, be careful sir. So george approved all this stuff <laughs> <laughs> But I
3: am sure that I am the first cookbook author that you've ever said that to, and I didn't take offense because you're right. Uh, what What the thing is is there's some strange things that are fried, and that's what people think about, and the large things at the fair. For instance, fried butter. Now, without you looking at that, yeah, question, no, I, you probably you might. We, we actually,
0: we were in um, – Bray, England, and we went to, this is a number of years ago, we went to Heston Blumenthal's pub, and he was trying mm-hmm. to, It was working with um, one of the universities uh, to revive the medieval dishes, and one of them was fried beer.
3: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So we I never did figure mind, out that. That sounds disgusting. You know, you think it's disgusting, but... <laughs> The fried butter recipe is technically an inside outside donut. Okay. You've taken a a round, a small round of butter and flour, and you've um, frozen that, and you dip it in a batter, kind of like corn dog, you could say, and you fry it, and so the inside, the butter melts, and you eat these balls of puffed dough but it's called mm-hmm. fried butter. So there there are a lot of those type of recipes, but you're right, just the name and the thought, you think, oh, yuck. Yes. Well, <laughs> but you know, there's a,
0: the... there's a dish in here that I thought I invented, actually. Um, my, oh, which one? My trainer, um, she knows all this stuff about healthy eating and exercise and all that stuff. And I said, that, you know, You own a gym, but you still don't make a lot of money. We could make a fortune if we came up with a diet. And I have an idea for a diet. First of all, it has to be an all-you-can-eat diet because that's what everybody wants. So my Mm -hmm. diet was all-you-can-eat. This is all you're allowed to eat. All-you-can-eat sauerkraut and uh, deep-fried Twinkies. (laughs) <laughs> thinking I had made up deep fried Twinkies and sure, enough you have them. Yeah. I mean, think about it. You couldn't eat a whole bunch of, of either sauerkraut or deep fried Twinkies until you'd lose weight. So we were, this That's was true. going to be our avenue to a billionairehood, <laughs> but she wouldn't do it. <laughs> uh. <laughs> so, But there is such a thing as deep fried Twinkies.
1: Yeah, I think
3: that or or the deep-fried Oreos were the first thing that started that craziness of deep-fried. And And then it went to uh, uh, candy bars, which the fried Oreos, they serve three in a a little basket, and they're hot. And they're really good, because I'm pretty much a purist. I like, you know, an Oreo, an Oreo. And I don't like these different flavors of Oreos that they have out. Yeah, and when really I was tried testing them. the recipe for the Oreos, they the thing is, is the chocolate and the cream inside melts m- melts with the batter on the outside, so it's almost like a chocolate donut. It, it's oh. really good, a little bit. <laughs> so. But honestly, some of the things that I've seen at fairs, like I did not include the the deep fried frog legs because I thought, <laughs> you know, I'm not going to do some recipes, and I, I, you know, I don't like frog legs to start with. But I thought I'm not going to do those. <laughs>
1: the, the
0: fried marsmallies well, <laughs> are okay, know, I, know I okay, mean, right? of course it depends. We know that um, it depends on. Where in the country you're going to this? I mean, my only experiences um, include with fairs include um, the Allegheny County Fair, which is local, and it had. um, Mm -hmm. I have still have a souvenir of Elsie, the Borden cow. Um, Uh. Anyhow. Yeah, I know. But and so Elsie or one of her descendants used to appear up for you. But then the other thing was I I lived in Indianapolis for a while and so I went to the Indiana State Fair. Now this is Oh yeah. I've never seen a pig that big. <laughs> the animal things I'm talking about. They had this big sow. She was tons yeah. of them.
3: See, that's the thing with the fair is they try to, you know, the biggest and the best. And uh, I took uh, two of my friends from uh, outside of London. They came to town. <laughs> they and, I, <laughs> and they were only going to stay a day at the fair, and they stayed almost seven days. They thought that was the most fascinating <laughs> thing, watching the people and the crazy food. So, yeah. yeah that was it's, true. <laughs>
0: yeah. I, I, I've never taken my husband to a fair, <laughs> but you know what? I, I I have uh, my the highlight of my youth, my triumph, was winning a very large stuffed dog <laughs> for oh, so dropping a wooden ring over a Coke bottle neck in, in the Indiana State Fair.
1: Now, listeners. Let's be quick to point out. Let's be quick to point out that the, the dog was not fried. No. <laughs> but this
0: this dog was probably, oh, what, four feet tall, uh, you know, and and you know, it's, you understand the motivation is somebody oh, yeah. who's obviously a civilian walking around the fair holding one of these big stuffed dogs. In uh, mm-hmm. um, what co- is in bright neon colors, polka dots, I believe it was. Um, it was going to get a lot <laughs> of attention, <laughs> and people are going to rush to the booth to try their luck. If if I got one, maybe they could get one too. Well, yeah, yeah,
3: absolutely.
0: That's probably absolutely. the best thing I ever won <laughs> in my life. <laughs> well, let's <now
1: that's> <laughs> It's time to really go to the fair let's give george a chance to 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 give us some of of his most outrageous
0: yeah what is your favorite outrageous food in here
3: oh see not i i i tend to go for the main event area like the the turkey drums or because i was just
0: looking at that 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 one looks pretty good with basting sauce yeah
3: yeah and I
0: liked your pulled pork sandwich too. I like pulled pork. Yeah, pulled pork
3: sandwich. And um, now,
0: George, uh, is that you, the talking head?
3: Uh, well, there's two talking heads, and one. Well, was the, I didn't the think camel. you were the camel. <laughs> 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 what, what you're referring to is a little picture on some of the uh, the books. The the with the little balloon sayings, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. That. That. I think. Yeah. Let me, I'm trying to see. I haven't looked at those for a little while. Yes, those are me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This
1: the one that looks like a camel, sweetheart. No. Oh. It's <laughs> one. Well, you know,
0: I mean, I think we have to be straightforward with this book because there are people who love these foods, or or. or They would be at these fairs. And you've made it simple for them to bring these flavors home. And you have this, um, I don't know what's the color code, but you have these little skillets where you you say you need special supplies and you list it and and little tips and things. And so that, I mean, actually people can make these.
3: Right? And I hope they do, too.
0: <laughs> yes. Mini spiced apple donuts don't look too bad, either.
3: <laughs> Those are good in the morning. <laughs>
0: and I'll tell you, it would not be a fair or an outdoor event of any sort without a funnel cake.
3: Well, yeah, that's that's the traditional one. And, uh That is probably what people are missing the most this year with all the fairs being closed. Probably.
0: Yeah, I mean, what do you do for your funnel cake? I mean, you get this book. (laughs) Listeners, get this book called Fair Foods by George Geary.
1: (laughs) Well, George, what have have you been doing the whole year, I wonder?
3: Oh, um, I do food segments for CBS San Diego. California, which is about an hour away from my home, and they set sure. my kitchen up with a remote. So I've been doing my segments remotely and uh, working on my fifteenth book right now, I'm putting that what, one finished What up. is it? The next one won't have any recipes, but it, it'll be my first hundred percent historic book, and it'll be. It's called Made M A D E in California, and okay. I was researching. For a story for USA Today one day, and I realized a lot of diners and, and restaurants and uh, fast food places started in California, over a 100. So we're doing two volumes. The first one starts in 1919, a, a, a company that's still in operation that started in California, which is A&W Root Beer Stands. And then it goes to 1955, 56, with... Yeah. Uh, Keith's Coffee, and so we have all sorts of things. And there'll be uh, uh, kind of the history of the company, where was the first location, is the first location still in operation, Uh, what different things those companies did that they invented, like A&W Group here, you wouldn't realize, but they supposedly, and they were the first to make a bacon cheeseburger, which that's something we see all the time today. Uh So. It's uh, it'll be an interesting uh, historical look on uh, food and culture and cars from uh, California.
0: Yeah, you should get to know um, Rick Seaback, who is at WQED TV, which is the first public radio, first public television station in the country, and he does a series of very popular um, specials. Um, with mm-hmm. ta- just like the kind of things that fascinate you, like things that aren't there anymore or things, you know, that kind of oh, stuff. yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. you love it.
3: Yeah. exactly.
0: Seaback, yeah. S-E-B-A-K, and that's W-Q-E-D-T-V, awesome. Pittsburgh. Yeah. Well, George, you, you I think, are going to sell a lot of these books. <laughs> I can see this is as, <laughs> as uh, the ultimate stocking stuffer for this coming <laughs> year. <laughs> so,
1: Absolutely.
0: Yep, yep. Again, listeners, it's Fair F A I R Foods, and you'll you'll want to know how to make your very own um, pulled pork, fried butter. Um, what else? <laughs> Everything else that you've come to assess. And your funnel cake. And the funnel cake, yes. Yep. Thank you for talking to us, George.
1: Okay, so so don't tell me that you've run out of ideas about what to cook.
0: No, you can cook anything you want. You can entertain. I guess I'm not really right now. You can't have 200 people, but... <laughs> Just get ready for when you can. How's
1: that? That's it. That's it. And in the, mean, in the meantime, dream of the county fair and all that, right. you're, all that you're missing. And uh,
0: The most amazing thing at state fairs is the hogs. <laughs> <laughs> there you go.
1: Anyway, and, uh, all right. Until, until next week. Yeah, we'll think about the hogs until next week. Until yeah. then, bye-bye. Same time, same place. Right?